Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for E-Commerce Ask the Experts. Our weekly podcast and video show offers e-commerce platform store owners, store developers, app providers, investors, and marketing agencies insights from discussions with marketing and e-commerce experts. Grow faster with tips, tricks, and proven strategies. And learn what's new in e-commerce digital marketing for 2022 and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for e-commerce, Ask the Experts. I'm Marissa Morgan, your show host. I'm also the Business Development Manager at Engage. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, welcome to today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to grow your store revenue faster with the latest SEO strategies for 2023 and beyond. Our guest is an SEO expert and a well-known e-commerce agency founder, and he'll be here to share his insights. Before we get started, of course, I want to share that all of this incredible, insightful, and invaluable information is brought to you by Engage. If you've not yet heard about Engage, Engage offers the most incredible, invaluable tool for your Shopify or e-commerce business. And that is an app called Engage SMS for Shopify. You can find out more about this app and you can also take it for a free test drive at www.engage.com. This app allows you to build your customer lists faster, connect with your customers where they are. We all know that's on their mobile devices. Also promote new products with targeted automated campaigns. And right now you can try it for free for a 45-day test drive, a 45-day free trial. And with that free trial, you also get 5,000 SMS messages so you can take them for a test drive, start messaging your customers and see just how much business that you've been missing out on if you're not yet using SMS messaging. All right, that is our sponsor mention. And now I'm excited to introduce you to today's special guest. If you've not met him, our guest is from Denver, Colorado, and his name is Kellis Landrum. If you don't know who Kellis is, you need to. He is the co-founder of True North Social. He also has over 20 years of experience in website design and development. He also provides strategic and creative leadership for the agency. He has made a career of weaving thoughtful, engaging brand and sales narratives into the structural constraints of digital channels. And with nearly two decades of experience in designing, art directing, and consulting, his client list is quite impressive. Check it out. Live Nation, Kia, American Apparel, Magento. How about the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas? Paul Mitchell Systems, Cabo Wabo Tequila. Any margarita fans out there? And that list is growing as he continues his work with True North Social. Fun fact about Kellis. He is not only big into fitness and hiking, which makes perfect sense that he now lives in Denver, Colorado, but he's also the proud dad to a beautiful uh, seven-year-old daughter. Her name is Robin. And I've got to ask, does she have any interest at all in digital media or advertising? Do you think she might follow in your footsteps, Kellis? Well, hey, guys. Uh, it's <laughs> great to be here. And yes, I. she definitely loves art, which is kind of how I got my start. And um you know, it's just amazing to see how creative little kids are. And I mean, it's it's amazing to watch a seven-year-old just sort of absorb everything like a sponge. And I mean, you know, you watch kids these days and it's like they pick up on digital media so quickly because they're immersed in it, you know, kind of from the time they're born. It's all around them. That but, is so true. Well, that is so we'll true. see. We'll we'll see. She can do whatever she wants to do. She's smart enough to do anything she wants to do. So well, if she takes after her dad, I believe that 100 percent I'd love to know a little bit as we get into our topic today of SEO. I'd love to know two things. First, I want to know how you got into SEO from more of a website design background. Mm. And then I want you to tell me about a conference you recently went to in Dallas, you just shared with me. Because I think the fact that you are attending these conferences just shows that you are always looking for the latest, the greatest, uh, the newest 
in, in the world of SEO so that you can best serve your clients. So let's talk first about how you turned website design and, you know, your experience in art directing into, you know, more of what we're talking about now, which is SEO and something you've, you know, you help your clients with on a daily basis. How did that happen? Well, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I started when, you know, I, I went to Art Center College of Design and when I was going to school for design, I wanted to graduate and do either record covers or uh, work in magazines. And it turns out it, it's a good thing I didn't end up doing either of those because there's not a whole lot of either one left. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I started getting into designing websites because it was the thing that all of the more senior creative people were like, yeah, look, get the kids to do this. We're, we're busy doing other stuff. We don't want to, we don't want to do this. So I started working on, on design projects for, for websites and I mean, long story short, um, e-commerce has always been a really big part of that for my career. Um, I've worked at a lot of different places doing different things, but, uh, American Apparel was the first real big e-commerce project that I worked on. Um, you know, we, um, they told me we had like 15,000 SKUs and we sold them most all of them through the website. Um, I worked on projects for Live Nation. I think ticketing is probably one of the most complex things mm. you can sell online. <laughs> There's just so many pieces to it. Um, you know, I, I worked at agencies doing website design. Uh, I worked at Magento for a couple of years. That was kind of my first real introduction to large scale enterprise. I, I shouldn't say that was my, my first because Live Nation was huge and so it was American Apparel. But um, seeing so many different facets of enterprise e-commerce and um, the challenges that really, really large retailers had to face um, with e-commerce and how they were dealing with that um, just sort of made me take a different perspective on it rather than just the, Hey, let's take the technology that exists here and make it look really cool and, um, and, and sell it to people. But, you know, all along the way for years, I, you know, my, my first hump to kind of get over was working with development teams and figuring out, okay, how do I design things in a way that developers can take and build easily and they lend themselves to the structure of the way browsers work and they can load quickly and, and we can design around technology in general. But SEO seemed to be this sort of very tricky animal, whereas like HTML has clear rules to design around. SEO has much less clearly defined rules, I would have to say. And I kept working with SEO teams and they would tell me like, well, Google isn't going to like this. This is going to make it hard to rank. And I kept having to ask these questions about like, well, so what is this? How, how do I design around these things? How do we build a website that is SEO friendly? Because even between design and development, I would work with development teams and they didn't necessarily, they knew how to build websites or even very complex uh, technological infrastructure that, that was applied on the web. But how to get Google to rank any of that stuff was mm. a very different animal. And it, it makes sense if you think of it as like, not all websites need SEO, right? You can run Facebook ads to them, or you could just be like a, like a very important resource that is on the internet. And you don't necessarily have to get Google to drive a lot of traffic to your website. There are a lot of other ways to, to get it there, but I kept having to talk to these SEO guys and they'd be like, well, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And a lot of, it depends, right? Um, so in the course of working with these guys and just asking a lot of questions, I started to dive into this and really sort of get some experience with, okay, um, what are the ranking factors that Google looks for when they are trying to decide I'm going to rank this page or this website over this one. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had it, I, I went, as you mentioned, I, I went to a, uh, a search marketing conference this week called state of search in Houston, which was fantastic. And I heard one of the speakers say something about Google is performing 
something like three trillion searches a month, right? Three and trillion searches a month. Yes, yes. Um, you know what's crazy? I know a lot of them. I've been watching a lot, watching a lot of true crime <laughs> documentaries lately. Yeah, yeah. And My wife loves those. Oh man, when they show people Googling like how to decompose a, a, a dead body or, you know, oh my gosh, it's just yeah. insane what people, or if I try to even search something and it, the, the options it gives me that are like most frequently searched, I'm like, mm. what? Like, that's a crazy thing. No, that's not what I'm trying to ask you, Google, but clearly yeah. a lot of people ask you that. Three right. trillion, wow, a month. Well, yeah, so the scale of what Google is trying to accomplish is so massive that there has to be, I mean, when you think of what a Google algorithm is, it's a set of rules and, um, you know, there's a lot of machine learning that is woven into that. Um, so it's not necessarily people making the rules. It's sort of their algorithm figuring out what is the best way to do this. But, um, but the scale of what they're doing is so gigantic. They have to have some organized way to do it. And learning how to design around that um, became really, really important. And over the course of time, I started to learn a lot about, okay, like what makes Google rank this website over that website? And once I started to wrap my brain around that, a lot of things started to fall into place. It's, it's very deep. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds and, about exactly how that happens necessarily, but I think we can paint some broad strokes and maybe talk a little bit about that. I know your your show is uh, generally about e-commerce, so I think it's probably really helpful for people who run online stores to know, is SEO a good choice for my store as opposed to running ads or trying to do PR and do social media and email marketing or any of these other channels should I pick this one instead of that one? Or should I try and do a couple of them in combination? I think is probably a really big question for anybody that is trying to sell something online. I would have to agree. And as we dive into this talk on how to grow your store revenue faster using the latest SEO strategies, let's have a look at a few of the talking points you want to hit on today's talk. For those of you listening to the podcast, I'll read through our show outline. For those of you watching the video, it's there on your screen. So we're talking about how to grow your store faster using the latest SEO strategies. And you just touched on this first one. Is mm -hmm. it going to make sense for an e-commerce store to use SEO versus ads, social media, email, other channels? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about keyword strategy. We'll talk about technical SEO. We'll talk about the importance of content writing. What needs to be in the content on our page to be targeted, to be ranked high on the Google algorithm. And then we'll talk about the last thing, link building. This first topic, SEO versus ads, social media, email, SMS messaging, which of course at Engage, we think that's super important. Where, where where do you stand? I mean, I feel like the answer, if I were to guess, is probably somewhere in the middle of using all of those things, mm -hmm. integrating them. But I want to hear from the expert. What What's your thought and what do you share with your clients? Well, sure. So obviously I run a digital marketing agency. A big focus of that is social media. But um, when we founded the company, it was me and my partner. And again, my background's in websites and my partner's was in social. And um for the most part, when you're running ads online, you're running ads either on Google or across a social media channel like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or something like that. Now, obviously, that's not the end all and be all of running ads. But um, when we look, when we start to work with a client, we really try and sit down and think about okay, what is the best way for you to market your product? And a lot of that depends on exactly what the product is, right? You can sell a lot of different kinds of products online. Um, but there are a few kind of key indicators that would point us towards one thing rather than another. And a few of them are, we, we work with service-based businesses too. Um, some of them sell services and products. Some of them are just strictly e-commerce. Um, but when you're thinking about, okay, uh, Google versus Facebook, right? I think that is a really good sort of place to start. Um, 
I, I say that because in terms of email marketing, uh, I think you probably want to do email marketing across the board for everybody. But um, we kind of generally start to look at, okay, is Google a better strategy or Facebook better strategy? Or should we, for whatever reason, try and use a mix of both? And um, I say this because when you think about the way Google works, as opposed to the way Facebook or Instagram or TikTok works, um, Google requires intent for you to use it. And when I say that, what I mean is you have to, if you're on Facebook, Facebook can just show you an ad, right? Um, mm -hmm. About things that it can tell that you're interested in. But in order to use Google, you have to type something into a Google search. Now, whatever that thing is, Google can show you ads based upon whatever you typed in. But that indicates that you have some sort of fundamental intent to find out about the thing that you're Googling. Whereas you, if you're Googling socks, it's because you want to find out about socks. But you could just be on Facebook and see an ad for socks without having any intention of trying to find new socks, right? So intent is the first part of that equation. And then we can sort of break things down from there a little bit because uh, some products are highly intent driven, whereas some are not like, um, it's not e-commerce, but if your plumbing breaks, if your one of your pipe explodes and your house is flying, you need a plumber right now, <laughs> right? right. So the first thing you're probably gonna do is, is pull out, uh, is pull out your phone and start searching for plumbers. That's that's a very kind of common thing for SEO. Um, but you know, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head that's more uh, could go either way. Um, if you're trying to find gifts to buy someone for Christmas, right? You might Google top ten gifts for dads for you know for the holidays, something like that. That's a very common kind of intent based search thing for e-commerce. And I'm sure if you Google that, you'll find dozens and dozens of websites that will list like dads love these kinds of products. Now, coincidentally, if you start looking for a bunch of those kinds of things, there's a pretty good likelihood that Facebook will then pick up that you've been looking for these kinds of things through something retargeting is, mm -hmm. is a very common form of advertising. And then you'll start seeing ads targeted for people who are looking for gifts for dads across Google, across Facebook, across a dozen different websites that you look at. Um, so just depending on if you're thinking about doing SEO versus some other marketing channel, um, one people if if you're if people tend to Google your type of products um, a lot, then search is probably going to be a good avenue for you. If it's something where either people aren't searching for it very often or their search is so broad, if they're searching for shoes, <laughs> right? Right, uh, right? It's very rare that people search for shoes or even something like men's shoes. And if they're searching for something like that, that's very broad, it's hard for you to rank over sites like Amazon or Foot Locker mm -hmm. or Zappos, something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, if you can target this kind of person is, you know, 46 year old male is, is looking for shoes and, um, you know, you can, you can maybe show them ads that are targeted toward that demographic. But where I think SEO really starts to shine for e-commerce is when you niche down, right? If I'm searching for men's hiking boots, right? Um, or waterproof men's hiking boots, and that is the type of product that you sell, then that's where you can start to beat out bigger marketplaces in search because big marketplace, Walmart, Target, Amazon, eBay, they're also broad. <laughs> they, yeah. they carry so many different types of things that they're not as helpful for user intent as say, um, Merrill would be because they sell men's hiking boots specifically. And if you're, I, I think you're most likely to have a lot of success with e-commerce when you are niched down to some degree, because you can avoid these problems, your competition gets smaller. 
as you're a little bit more niche down and that becomes starts to become the area where you can be a lot more competitive. You brought up a really interesting example that uh, I never really thought about, but you're right. If, if you are a searchable item mm -hmm. that people often search for, it does make sense that SEO would be uh, kind of a home run in my opinion to, you know, invest your, resources mm -hmm. because I know from my perspective, when I'm on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook to be bothered with shopping. I'm on Facebook to be mindlessly scrolling or to be interacting with a friend's page or to say happy birthday to somebody on their page. Mm -hmm. If I was thinking about Christmas gifts or I was thinking about socks or something, when I searched for it, I was in the mood to shop then. I am not someone who's easily swayed by the little boxes on the side or or the ads. Instagram, sometimes. Um, <laughs> but certainly not on Facebook. So I think that that was a really great takeaway that's simple and an easy way, especially if someone is a new business or a startup or is just getting onto Shopify or an e-commerce mm -hmm. platform for the first time, and they're wondering where to invest their money or their energy. That's a good question to ask yourself. Is is what I sell often searched for or is it so broad uh, that yeah. maybe it's not? Or if it's so niche, maybe um, well, that's, that's still an option. But so here, yeah. here's, here's where I get a little bit nerdy about search and marketing in general. Fun facts. New, new information is coming out all the time. I, I went to this conference earlier this week and um, there was... There was a lot of talk about search through social media platforms as opposed to search through uh, through Google. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about finding things through Google as opposed to finding things through social media platform is, again, Google does require intent. But part of that equation is that Google can't tell you about anything that you don't already know about right? Like you have to know about something in order to Google it in the first place. So this is where I think social media and SEO really start to work together and shine. And, um, you know, we've seen this proven out with a pretty decent number of our clients is if they engage with us for both social media and SEO, we see search volume for their brand start to start to rise, right? Because, in order for somebody to know your brand exists in the first place, they have to find out about it through something. Mm. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned you don't go searching for stuff through social media. And I hate to say this. I'm not, I'm not use myself as an example rather than you. I am a little bit old for that, but what it turns out is Gen Z is using social media as uh, as a search engine. In fact, recently there's been a couple of articles that kind of came out um, that said something along the lines of uh, TikTok now has as many or more searches performed on it as Google does, which seems mind blowing to me. Wow. Right? I, I keep looking at, at these articles and I'm like, is this true? Like, I'm not 100% yeah. sure if I believe this. And maybe part of it is I, I, uh, I, I'm not ready for that yet. But, um, you know, social media has just exploded so quickly and the kids these days, you know, you're talking about my, <laughs> my daughter being into digital marketing, like uh, she seven is not quite old enough yet, but 13, 16, 18, yeah. 20, the people in this age group are using social media as a search engine and they find a lot of new brands and get exposed to a lot of new things through this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't think of them necessarily as apples and oranges. I have started to think of them as peanut butter and jelly. You know, they're, they're two things that go together and they complement each other in a lot of ways. Yeah. But what we see, as I was, as I was saying, when we do social media for clients, we then see their, their search volumes for things go up and we see their brand numbers rise. Um, you can't really directly correlate this through something like Google Analytics, but if you watch your social media campaigns go and get a lot of engagement, and then you see, you look at SEMrush or Google Search Console, and you start to see your uh, 
your search on your brand name rise most likely what is happening is somebody is on instagram or facebook or TikTok, and if they're not necessarily clicking through the link all the time a lot of times what they're doing is they just close out of their social media app they open the browser on their phone and type your name in either because they want to go directly to your website or maybe because they want to see reviews of your product they want to get a little bit more information from you from third-party sources rather than just clicking on an ad. So they might do a little bit of peripheral research mm. on your brand and yeah. try and get some third-party opinions about it. And then if they like what other people are saying online, they're already in their browser. So then they just type in your brand name, they go to your website, start exploring. Well, maybe you're wa you're watching me, Kellis. You're watching me. That's exactly what I do. I'll see an influencer. Yeah. That's another thing, promoting a product on social. And I very rarely click their link because I want to know more. Like I want to go deeper into it. I want to see if when I visit the website, I have an affinity to the brand, a connection to the brand. Do I like how the page makes me feel? I want to read reviews. I don't care that Sarah made all her cellulite disappear in 48 hours using this butt cream, right? Because at the end of the day, influencers are paid. Yeah. So, and that you can't always trust what they say. And likewise, ads sometimes don't always tell very much about the product because it's quick, you know, it's, it's you're scrolling, it's quick. Um, but that's interesting. So I do do that. So that's interesting. I think uh, everybody who runs a Shopify store has seen ads, especially on YouTube from people who are like, I started a Shopify store and I made $600,000 in my first three months. And it's like, if you actually type those people's names into Google and uh, and find out a little bit more about them from other third parties, you can actually find out how legitimate those kind of offers are. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about keyword strategy. Absolutely. What tips and insights can you share with us on how to figure out the right keywords to be utilizing maybe so, in our content or in the SEO? Yeah, so this is, this is our strategy here at Trunor Social. There's lots of different ways to go about SEO, but the way we work is keyword strategy is the foundational first thing to approach when you're thinking about doing SEO because you want to under, so a lot of times when I have people approach me about doing SEO, they say, I want to rank for this, 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 and this. So we start to use some of our SEO tools to look up search volume on those kinds of things. And we find out that five out of the six things that they say they want to rank for have zero search volume. No one is looking for them. Hmm. So we would generally consider those either vanity searches, like it makes your, your ego feel better <laughs> that you rank for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Or we just deem they're, they're irrelevant and try it. But on a lot of cases, what we find is um, the what the terms that people think they want to rank for are they're close to terms that have some search volume, but they're not quite it, right? Okay. It may be that, um, you know, if I search for Marissa Morgan, brilliant podcast host, there is not a ton of search volume behind that in particular. But if I search Marissa Morgan. Excuse me. Excuse me. How do you know? No, yes, you're correct. You're correct. It's because people don't search exactly this one thing. But right. if I search Marissa Morgan, who has worked for this company or has, lives in this area, something like that. Google or is or if I'm. Or if I, not to interrupt you, or just Marissa Morgan podcast, right? Podcasts, just more absolutely. generic and bulleted points that hit the mark. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So determining um, which keywords are the ones that we want to go after is really sort of the heart and soul of, uh, of SEO strategy and understanding there are different types of keywords that can, that can, I would say are further up the sales funnel versus closer to the bottom of it. Because yeah. so like, um, I'm going to use True North Social as an example. If, uh, if we tried to rank for search engine optimization, 
now we have to duke it out with uh, with Moz and Hrefs and like SEO tools. It's very informationally oriented. And a lot of the people who are searching for search engine optimization aren't necessarily looking for an agency or a partner to help them do it. They just want to find out some very broad sort of general information about SEO and then decide what they want to do with it. But people who are looking for it could be, they could be like I was, they could be a designer who just wants to find out stuff about SEO. They could be a developer. They could be a lot of different things that are not somebody who is looking to hire an SEO agency. So when you look at these very big, very broad terms, the the search volume on them tends to be very, very high, but they're not very targeted. So mm -hmm. because the search volume is so high, it's going to take an incredible amount of work and therefore money and time to be able to rank for those terms. And you're going to get a lot of irrelevant people coming to your website. So what you want to do is you want to find much more targeted terms. Like in our case, that might be SEO agency, SEO company, SEO firm, digital marketing agency, people who are specifically looking for to hire someone to do this for them. Yes. That kind of traffic is going to mean something to us. And since the search volumes on the again, we are niching down at this point, right? Where we're trying to target there's somebody on the other end of the internet who is looking for help from someone like me and really needs it, right? So mm -hmm. I need to find a way to connect to that person. And in SEO, Google is the way we are doing that. So that's that's kind of how we approach keyword strategy. And um, you know, you really think about what are the pages or what are the keywords that we want to rank for? Mm -hmm. How big is the search volume on there? And then um, you know, we can look at things like the, the really obvious place for us to start in most cases is uh, we do some technical analysis of your website and say like, well, what are you ranked for right now, right? Are you ranking for anything on the first page, right? Well, if you're ranking number one for all these terms, I guess we don't need to do a lot of SEO for those. You're already, you're already right, right. But what we generally start with trying to target is are there any very relevant terms that you rank that you're ranking for on page two? or page three, because it could be that Google already, if you're ranking on page two or three, Google already trusts your website to some degree for these mm -hmm. terms, just not enough to get them onto the first page where people are really going to click on them very often. Right. So that is what I call kind of the low hanging fruit uh, to go after. And then there's um, analyzing competitor websites. If there's somebody else who, you know, Hey, I'm trying to beat these guys you can look at their site and see, well, what are these guys trying to rank for? Are they, are they ranking on the first page for anything that I might want to rank for? And you can look at the search volume for those things. And that is generally how we start to develop a list of, these are things that if we rank for them, they would most likely translate into actual leads or sales for this business. Mm -hmm. So, I say we start with keyword strategy because if you're trying to pursue things that are irrelevant or there's no search volume for them, you're going to put in a lot of work and you're not really going to get a whole lot back from that. And that makes sense. You know, there was a joke I heard and it's totally relevant to our conversation today. And it's where is the best place to hide a dead body? <laughs> I've heard this a lot. It's on the second page of Google. That's right. right. No one ever looks there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I like that you brought in looking at your competitors, because that is something that we've discussed uh, on another episode, I think last year or earlier this year. You can learn a lot from looking at your competitors. And I, I know you want to talk a little bit about content writing. Um, would you say that especially in your content writing and, and, and uh, what you are sharing on your page, you can learn a lot, especially from even reading other competitors' reviews as well? Well, sure. Um, you know, Google has become more and more savvy about what types of content are important on a page over the years. Because I mean, I'm again, I'm old. I heard about Google for the first time, and when I was in college, I think in about 2001, right? So it's 
2022 now, I realize Google has been around a couple of years, like, you know, 97 or 98, but we'll say, we'll say 20 ish years, 25 years, Google has been around where the web was when they started and where it is now is very different. But a lot of what Google uses to rank content is text on a page. So when you're talking about creating content, you got to think about what are the content types? There's text and then there's images and there's video or audio. If you want to just include audio files in there, if you want to think of, you know, JavaScript or interactive pieces as a content type. Okay. We'll throw those in there. Um, But Google seems to favor text over most other types of content. Having a page that's just a lot of pictures on a page is uh, it's less likely to rank things in a regular search. If you're doing image search, that's a different story, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, But a lot of what Google looks at is how how many words are on this page and um, how many key, what types of keywords are included on this page as a signal to Google as to what this page is about. Because when you think about how a Google search works, somebody types something, some phrase into a search bar and then Google has to return results that it thinks is going to meet the needs of the searcher based on whatever they put in. So if, uh, if I do a search for SEO agency, it's not going to return back pages that don't have the word SEO agency on that page, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're not probably not very relevant. Right. And granted, you can't just at one time, there was a period of time where you could rank your page higher than maybe most or all other pages just by having that keyword repeated more times on the page than anybody else. But that era is over, right? Google has become much more sophisticated. You need a lot of other content on that page. And as a result, pages have tended to grow grow longer and longer. But, you know, you brought up looking at your competitors' pages to see what they rank for. And one thing you certainly can do, and I think is a good idea, is along with writing your own content, looking at what other uh, what other companies that rank for the term that you want to rank for have written and see like uh, do they what kinds of text do they include with this? what kind of keywords do they include with this? Do they have video on their page? Do they have uh, like a Google map listing if you're doing a local search for something? Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's all sorts of different types of content that can be included on a page. Um, this is the way we do it is we use tools. We use content tools. I think we've used a bunch of them. The one I think we use the most right now is Surfer SEO, which essentially is a content analysis and writing tool. And you can type in whatever keyword you want and it will analyze what are the top 10 results for this page. And it will put together a statistical analysis of, okay, what is the average length uh, or what is the average number of words on this page and what type of words do, what word keywords do they most commonly use? And it will even get as specific enough as saying like, use this word between this many and this many times and this word, Hmm. this many and this many times. Now that doesn't always produce the absolute, it, it produces a page of content that Google will appreciate and Google will most likely rank higher than pages that don't do that. On top of that, I like to have an actual human come in and write additional content to that because okay. what Google deems as good content and what humans deem as a good con- as good content are not always the same thing. <laughs> Believe me. Hey, um, it isn't so. No, that makes complete <laughs> sense. That makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah. But yeah, um If there is no content for a, this is where keyword strategy starts to flow into content writing. If we say we want to rank for this, you know, men's hiking boots, we have to create a page that is going to attempt to rank for men's hiking boots. So Mm -hmm. the title of that page should probably include something along some variation of men's hiking boots, you know, green men's, 
hiking boots that are this name and this model from this company, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, Waterproof, those are all, water resistant exactly. men's hiking boots. Yeah. Yep. All those kinds of things. Those are going to give Google clues that this page is relevant to the thing that somebody searched for. And that's the mm -hmm. thing that you want to rank for. So mm -hmm. content is sort of the foundational building block of being able to rank for any keyword that you would like to rank for. That makes sense. That yeah. makes complete sense. Well, and it's interesting too, because sometimes Google hits the mark, like without a doubt, I'll put something in and what I receive back is this is exactly what I'm looking for. And now I notice they'll actually try to match exactly what you search for with those exact words, like in the same order, like somewhere in that web page. Um, but now sometimes I notice Google doesn't quite get it, right? Because it is not a human. And occasionally you get something you're like, wow, okay, that's not what I was looking for. But hey, this is kind of interesting, you know? Um, never thought those words would give me this, but okay. Um, but it's, just, it's interesting. It's interesting because... Sure, sure. You're right. Um, humans, human, Google is not human. We need to always remember that. It's yeah. not like there's a little man with a book, you know, behind your screen. Not for um, 3 trillion searches a month. Not for 3 <laughs> trillion. Yeah. They'd be very busy. It's like yes. Rapunzel. Um, well, I, I know we're running short on time and okay. I feel like we could talk about so much more, but let's end our, our talk today talking just a little bit about link building and what you'd like to share with us about link building and, and how that affects SEO and, and e-commerce. Well, sure. I think this is sort of the most mysterious part of SEO for a lot of people. Um, how do you get links to your site? I, I would say the place to start is that knowing that Google considers this pro one of the most important parts of determining, should I rank this page over this page? Um, it, it, it's either one of the most important or the most important in terms of determining like the order of search results. So um, we, so what you're saying is there's no pressure here. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah oh exactly. man, that's exactly. stressful. Okay. Well, Google, again, Google is a robot. So yeah. when it comes to the content and technical part of SEO, it can basically put together a scoring system that can, you know, check a list of boxes, but Google, Google can only, it can only analyze websites. It can't, it can't analyze businesses, mm -hmm. right? Um, Google says the, the overall way they try and score a website is based on what they call EAT, which is expertise, authority, and trustworthiness, right? Wow. And they can okay. do a lot of technical analysis to figure out, um, you know, is this article long enough to provide expertise and, um, and, you know, so, but the real thing is trustworthiness and they rely on links into a page or into a website overall to use essentially, essentially what they're doing is using third-party validation to decide how trustworthy is this website and how trustworthy is this page in general. So, so just so I, I know, I understand. So where people are getting to the page from, like who is clicking on a link to bring you to the page, who's visiting, where they're visiting from. Is that what you mean by? It, not, not exactly. It could okay. be that that could okay. certainly have something to do with it. But, um, let's say, uh, I, you have a website and I post something about your website on my LinkedIn profile that creates a link, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you have a link from, uh, from LinkedIn, but so do millions of other websites, right? So mm -hmm. it, it sees that link and it's like, okay, you got a link from LinkedIn. Now let's say on the other hand, um, you get a link from the New York times, right? The New York times doesn't post links about just everybody. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants a link on the New York Times, but not everybody can get one. So okay. the fact that you have a link from the New York Times means a whole lot more than right. a link from somebody posting about you on LinkedIn. That so, makes sense. OK, so that's especially where that trustworthy piece comes in, because you have right. one company 
like the New York Times, who is super trustworthy, well, to some people, I should say, uh, <laughs> and uh, but an authoritative source. And LinkedIn yeah. might be considered that as well, but not on the same level. Well, right. Um, okay. I think they're... So when you're thinking about link building, um, there is no definitive guide to this. But if you think about... Um, Bigger businesses, more established businesses, more trustworthy businesses you've heard of that that you trust personally, and um, what what links into their website would they have? And by the way, you can you can use all sorts of SEO tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs or um, or Spire uh, Screaming Frog to figure out like what links are coming into a site, and um, there is a footprint that an established site will have. I mean, there's very obvious things that really almost any website will have. Like if you don't have social media channels set up and you don't link them to your site, that's kind of a red flag, right? Cause it's like, mm -hmm. you didn't even bother to set up a Facebook profile or a LinkedIn profile for your business. Like when did you start this thing yesterday? <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, that makes sense, right? Yeah, there's there's sort of real obvious signals that Google will expect to see out of, I guess, like a legitimate business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, we don't have enough time to get into specifically all of these right now, but you, you can do a pretty quick Google search and say like, what link should I set up to my website? And you can find lists of, you know, Google, LinkedIn, um, Yellow Pages, Google business profile, things like that, like, like real obvious public things. But this is, I'm biased. Of course, you can take this with a grain of salt. I think most companies that aren't very, very large are better off contracting with somebody to do like building for them than trying to DIY it. And this is in the same sense that like, if you were going to build a house or build an office building or maybe even revamp one, right? Like gut the interior and redo it. Unless you have the skills where you know how to do it, you're a whole lot better off just going to somebody who knows how to do it and paying them to do it. They will do much, most likely a much better job, much faster than you could do on your own. You know, Kellis, you said something that we always talk about on this series, and that is especially for small businesses or startups, do what you do best. If you're the founder of a company, if you're the creator of a product, if, you know, that is your space, you focus on what you do and outsource some of the things that you need done to people like yourself at True North Social agencies or, you know, bring somebody on board that can help you, even if it's temporarily, right? Contract. Um, because you will save a lot of time and money and stress and doing it wrong if you do it right the first time, which is by not doing it yourself and hiring I mean, someone to do listen, it, right? Uh, I don't try and do my own taxes. <laughs> we, we have an HR person that handles making sure we're compliant with the government. There's only so much any one person can take take on and then from there it's like you have to build a team of people yeah. who can do that and once you start to if you're already doing it hopefully you're already doing that then you know you enjoy the fact that there are a lot of people out there who have a specific skill set that can do this and have very deep knowledge of it and and can just get a, get you a lot further a lot faster 100 percent yeah. Is it bad that I do do my own taxes? That's up I'll to tell you. you what, this year I'm not. <laughs> this year I'm not. This year um, I'm hiring somebody for the first time in um, many, 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 many yeah. years. The, the um, IRS is their own thing. So I just call up my CPA and I'm like, you you take care of this. Yeah. Let me know what we're doing at the end. And I get it. I get it. Well, listen, Kellis, this has been a really insightful talk. And I know that you could share so much more than you shared with us today. So I do want to encourage our audience, if you're listening to this show right now, reach out to Kellis, Kellis Landrum. You can find him on LinkedIn. It's K-E-L-L-I-S-L-A-N-D-R-U-M. That's the spelling of his name. Please connect with him. And I always let everybody know our guests are always welcome to connect with you and answer questions, connect through the chat, but always when you connect with them, drop them a message and let them know that you heard them on our show. 
And then let's talk a little bit about what our audience will find on your website, truenorthsocial.com. Yeah. Um, so I'm in general information about our services. If you check our about us page, you can uh, read a little bit more about our company. Um, personally, I think that's really important because there, I mean, there are a lot of agencies out there, but you, you know, you want to find somebody who you can work with, who will talk to you. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, this is just how we've structured our agency. People will do it a lot of different ways, but having relationships with our customers and talking to them a lot and really hearing, asking them like, what do you need? How can we help you? That That is a really big driving force behind all of the decisions we make. And I think that that really separates what we do from a lot of agencies in a lot of ways. But, you know, you just want to find out any general information about what types of services we offer and how we might be able to help. There's a lot of information on there. Awesome. Well, Kellis, I want to thank you so much for joining us today live from Denver, Colorado. I guess we're live now. You guys are listening to a, a podcast uh, replay most likely. So if you're enjoying our show or have friends or colleagues that would enjoy uh, or learn from Kellis's insights, please make sure you share the link to this podcast. Kellis, wishing you so much luck the rest of this year and into 2023. I love that you continue to learn more in this area you know, visiting conferences and continuing to learn more about the invaluable tools that can be put to good use in terms of SEO and helping all of your clients. So congrats on all that you've accomplished and all that I know you will accomplish for you and your clients in the future. Hey, thanks so much, Marissa. I appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kellis. And we'll speak with you soon. What an awesome show today, learning more about not only SEO, but when is SEO right for your e-commerce business? I think a really great takeaway from today's show was something that Kella shared at the beginning. It's asking, you know, is, your, is what you sell constantly or continually searched for? Because if it is, you definitely want to make sure you're investing in SEO. But as he shared, when he saw that his clients also invested in social media and some of the other channels as well, he also sometimes saw that SEO... Uh, impact and and everything kind of growing together. We all know that people are on social media, just like we always say how important it is to be using SMS messaging right now. People are on their mobile devices, which means they are on social media. They are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. So if you are in the e-commerce world and if you're listening to our show, I know you are, don't forget that sometimes it's that full integrated strategy that's going to benefit you the most. But knowing how to do SEO, knowing how to do it properly and learning from someone like Kellis and potentially working with an agency like his, again, that is Truth, True North Social, will get you where you want to be faster. So make sure you check out truenorthsocial.com and connect with Kellis Landrum on LinkedIn if you have any questions or want to connect with him further. It has been my pleasure to host today's show. And of course, a reminder that if you've not yet checked us out, go to www.ngagge.com. That's engage.com and give our app that is Engage for Shopify. Give that app a free 45-day trial, and you get 5,000 free SMS messages to use to connect with your customers, start some automated campaigns, and learn the power of SMS and how it can help your business. Check that out today. And you guys, I will see you back here for our next show, Engage Digital Marketing Intelligence for E-Commerce. Ask the experts.